Okay, 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 okay. Episode 29 of Ideas Into Action features Victor Godino, a serial entrepreneur and a 10-year wealth management and strategic financial planning professional. His contributions have been featured in the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, HuffPost Business, Canadian Wealth Professional, Global News, cbc.ca, and the Financial Post, among other notable media outlets. Wow. Victor is now the managing partner at Kismet Wealth Group, overseeing the firm's strategic growth in their wealth management and family office services. Victor holds certified financial planner, chartered life underwriter, and chartered investment manager designations. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, he's also a recent published author. His first book, Enterprise Your Wealth, How to Manage Your Wealth Like a Business, is now available on Amazon worldwide. Now, in this conversation, we talked about the importance of paying it forward. Growing up in Scarborough, wisdom from Jay-Z, the hustler's mentality, Parkinson's Law, his most recent book, and doing whatever it takes to turn your dreams into reality. I had a lot of fun cooking it with Victor in this conversation. We covered a lot of ground as we usually do in these Ideas Into Action episodes. And I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode and let me know what you think. Let's get right to it. All right, we got my man Victor G in the building. Welcome to Ideas Into Action. Victor, let's start at the end. I want you to imagine that it's your Lifetime Achievement Award ceremony. You've got your friends, your family, your colleagues, all the people whose lives you've positively impacted in attendance, and they're watching you as you're about to take the stage. How would you want to be introduced at this Lifetime Achievement Award ceremony, Victor? Hey, Hamza, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's of course. Excited. Um, so yeah, it's like, a, a, I think it's so funny you ask this question because, you know, this is actually an exercise we do with each one of our clients where we call it the life at 80 exercise. And it's kind of like on your 80th birthday, I want you to think about what your life looks like and I'll actually document it and write it all the way backwards to where we are today. Um, mm. And then just getting it out on paper of what you you know, think about when it comes to your vision and your life. So I wrote mine to 60 because I'm 30, um, <laughs> 80 just too far away. Um, but I, I grew up in a I believe like being someone that cares about your community and, and my legacy, I wanted to be in building up a community. So I always look at the concept of a ladder and I want to be a ladder builder. So essentially, uh, I grew up in Scarborough, you know, the area very well. Yeah. Um, there's two sides to that community and there's two sides to every community. And if you don't have people that will lift you up, you don't have people that will bring you out, you, your life, it can be, you know, completely different. Absolutely. So uh, I played a lot of sports and, you know, in that met a lot of people, had a lot of coaches, had a lot of teammates, and they always kind of pulled me up, dragged me up. Um, you kind of get slipping, but at the same time, you know, they're always going to be there and they're lifelong friends. I've played with sports since I was like six years old and I'm still friends with some of the people like, majority of my team actually so it's like mm -hmm. i want to be a, a handout in the community a ladder builder meaning you know someone needs help they can always reach out to me i'm always accessible and right. help them climb up to like their higher self their better value and you know they will in turn hopefully be able to do that for someone else and you know i think you know when it comes to legacy money wealth your name like all that stuff i really don't even care if people know who i am personally I just, mm -hmm. even if it's just like a floating figure concept of like, hey, like we, like the concept of being a ladder builder, 
lives mm-hmm. on like that's kind of what i would like preach throughout my life and you know hopefully impart to my child and, and like people that i come in contact with mm-hmm. um is to always be someone that'll help someone get up and then keep them up um because that's when wow. they're able to be their best self i think I absolutely love that. And uh, as one fellow Scarberian to another, is that even yeah. what we call ourselves? <laughs> as a Scarborough man. Yeah, that's the other option. From, from, from one Scarborough man to another, I, uh, I thank you for embracing this role, this responsibility as a ladder builder. I don't think I've used that term to describe myself, but um, I, think of, I think of other ways to, to conceptualize that act of paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you're absolutely right when you when you say that in Scarborough, you know, one wrong decision could lead you down a different path. I think the consequences of failure for a Scarborough man or anyone in Scarborough, especially if you identify with the same intersectionalities that you and I do, I imagine that we're both first generation students, mm-hmm. we're the children of immigrants, uh, we didn't mm-hmm. grow up with uh, the same means and privilege that uh, people who've been here for three or four generations or longer might have. So I completely, completely uh, resonate with this idea that we we need ladder builders in our lives. We need people who are able to help us move up and out of the circumstances to transcend poverty, ignorance, vulnerability, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Victor, I'm curious to know, like, if you could just riff on some of those people or even the moments in which you met those people, the coaches that you mentioned, for instance, what were some of those milestones in your life or career that brought you to this episode of the podcast? Like, why are you here? Yeah, like I would say like earliest memories, um, it's a quad, like, I guess a hybrid of like my parents as, as well as it was these coaches. Um, so like my dad was just super involved in, you know, sports for me. So I was playing rep soccer. I was playing soccer four days a week. Um, so there was really no chance of kind of hanging around in, in situations that would get me into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I'm, when he dropped me off at the sports, like at soccer, you have your coaches and stuff, right? So there, it was a mindset, I think was the largest thing playing sports that really helped me was, you know, you, you can be better. You're always striving to be better. You're never settling for where you are. Your goal is to train. Your goal is to develop. Your goal is to like lift your team up. And that was the other part of it is like back to tying it back to community is like, at least in, in, in a team sport, you're, you're only as good as the rest of your team. So right. our team really got good at supporting each other. So someone was not, you know, on for a training day. It was like, hey, like, let's go. Like, we all got to make this run together. We all got to do this together. And it really gave this camaraderie. It gave this sense of, like, once again, community. And it showed our team, you know, not to brag. Obviously, this is really young. We're like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All the way till I was 14. Like, so kids, soccer. But, like, we, we were a whole team from the time we were 6 to 14. Nobody left. Um which was rare. And right. we played all over the country, Canada, US, and we actually played in Europe. So wow. um, our team won the like Ontario Cup that was like enabled us to qualify to go play in Ireland. And we played in Ireland um, and I like, got exposed to like a whole different world of sports there. And so like tying it back to your question was like the milestones were at the time didn't seem like milestones because it was just like a function of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. you're just in the process, but I would say it, it would be like those little things. And it's not always like, and that's the thing with milestones. It's not always a major thing. And it was the little things of like one of my teammates saying, Hey, like we got to make it up this hill today. 
or mm -hmm. my coach that's like, you need to move left when, you know, certain little tweaks to your mentality of like how you're looking at things. And I think those are, it's not physical, it's not like quantifiable at the time, but those mm -hmm. were like the major milestones because it was more of a mental shift and it was more of a mindset shift into like understanding that I could change my current situation just by thinking differently. And I think that's, right. that was a big part of it. Probably the biggest part of it. Wow. We're both hip hop fans. You mentioned yeah, earlier, you're a fan of Jay, of Drake. Uh, yeah. Are you a fan of 2 Chains at all? I, yeah, 100%. <laughs> 2 Chains. He's the man. He's the man. He, he has an album called uh, Rap or Go to the League. And I think about that binary option all the time when it comes to my earlier life. Uh, you know, right. I, it sounds like you went to the league in, in a sense. And I wasn't a, I wasn't big on sports. I mean, I loved sports. I was always mm -hmm. picked dead in the middle. I was never excellent at anything, but I wasn't terrible at anything either. Right. Didn't really have an option to transcend my circumstances through sport necessarily, but I did the equivalent of rap at the time which was okay. movie making with my buddies and getting really involved in creative multimedia. And oh. there's something interesting about both the world of sports, particularly soccer and movie making. All of this effort as a team has to flow into one single point. Uh, mm -hmm. In your case, it's about scoring goals, getting the ball into the net. In my case, it was about capturing the perfect shot. And I think about these earlier activities in our lives and how they change our minds and change our conceptions of getting things done. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious to know, Victor, so you had this transformative experience as a child in Scarborough playing soccer, really familiarizing yourself with all the dynamics that are involved in becoming an elite soccer player, the training, the practice, the meditation, the travel. Sorry, Alan. We're talking about practice? practice. <laughs> <laughs> about I practice. had to do it. Of course, to. man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I love it. I love it. it. Interject away with all of the pop culture references, man. We got, we got to at some point talk about The Godfather as well. Yeah. But, but now here you are, you know, you're, you've, you've established this, this very successful business. You've published a book and we're going to talk about that. You got married. You had a kid. Congratulations. You, you've bought homes. I mean, what is, what, is, what is the focal point of all of this activity that you're generating currently in your 30s what is the goal if you will what is the the end you know the purpose why yeah. do you do what you do yeah it's like super super like introspective question that i think like it's it's amazing that you ask this question to a lot of the young professionals that come onto your show because as a young person like no one's really talking about establishing purpose at least um you know for yourself you read about it you hear about it but you don't really start thinking about it till you know maybe your 40s or maybe even your 50s to be honest mm -hmm. um but like purpose wise for me it's 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 shifted a lot um be when i first started it was the grind for money right like which is not a real purpose but it was just the grind um right. and then you start realizing as life goes by that like money is not really the purpose it's experiences and then like that kind of changed when i got married we kind of started traveling a lot more and like seeing different parts of the world cultures and and people and you kind of like wow like get a different appreciation for like the world that we live in the people that we have on this planet and like the cultures that exist around the world mm -hmm. and then it shifted after having a child recently um about her pretty much and like wow the next the next phase which is not about me and I feel like those first two phases were very me centric and us centric as a couple or 
And then now it was just like, like I'm thinking about like environmental stuff. Like I'm thinking about, you know, what's going to impact a hundred years from now because, you know, my child's still going to be alive, hopefully. And then they might have, they might have children. Right. It's just like, I never really thought about that to be, if I'm being really honest, I was just more like, I'm doing this for me and like, I'm doing this for us and it's, it's fun and exciting. Um, and that's kind of what was a driving force to work so hard and earn the incomes to pay for the things. But like, now I just like, I literally don't care about anything other than like the only mm-hmm. reason I'm working is to make sure her life go back to the ladder. It's like, she has the most amount of steps built on this ladder. Um, wow. that when she's ready to start, she's all the way up there. And, you know, and like, I was <laughs> kind of joke, it's like, outside of it being a ladder, I'm hoping to make it like an escalator. Like it just like automated, Ooh, right? Like yeah, uh, yeah. automate that. And, and, and then also like doing that, like I said, back, not just for her, for as many people as you can, um, whether they're younger or not, because I think like, that's just like the ripple effect. Right. Um, so purpose driven wise, it's like now it's, it's selfishly around her, but hopefully it like rubs off to other people in the community and other people that I come in contact with. Oh man, there's so much to unpack over here. I'm I'm really resonating with this image of this metaphor of, of the ladder eventually transforming into an escalator. I was thinking while we were speaking about what is the way that I've conceptualized my acts of giving back or thinking beyond my own needs. And I've used the analogy of a race. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to advance the starting line because I think I had to start actually behind the starting line in some cases, yep. given our very similar backgrounds over here. Um, you know, a, a random Big Sean line comes to mind over here. I'm from the block where cops. No, actually, it's Kanye. Wow, I should be embarrassed. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm from the I'm from the block music. where. where <laughs> yeah, please. I'm I'm from the block where cops don't come through and dreams don't come true. Um, I was the first marketing professional in my family. I was the right. only marketing professional in my entire neighborhood. I don't think there was wow. anybody that could have opened a door for me, could have recommended me to any organization. Um, and it's so weird to think about that. Like I'm 34 years old, turning 35. Mm-hmm. I feel like a pioneer in some strange right. way because I've been able to open the door for so many other people. I've been able to advance the starting line for right. my kids, for Veda. You know, if Veda yeah. ever needs a, a link in the marketing 100%. world, she's just to call Uncle Hamza. You know, Victor just be like, hey, talk to Uncle Hamza. He's going to help you get a foot in the door, right? 100%. And we can pack, practice that level of nepotism with our kids and, and the future. And it's really interesting because I feel like Everyone goes through this transition from focusing on your own needs to realizing ultimately once you've gotten away from the pain, once you've transcended poverty, ignorance, and vulnerability, what's next? And I think mm-hmm. hopefully people arrive at the conclusion that it's about the kids, whether mm-hmm. it's your own biological kids, your nieces, your nephews, or thinking about the future as some abstract notion of your kids. Mm-hmm. That's what it's really all about. Man, movie recommendation for you. Have you watched The Rescue, the documentary about the 13, I think, yeah, 13 or 14 oh, heard of people it. that were trapped in the cave in Thailand, the soccer team? Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I heard of it. And I was following the news story, but I didn't hear the, I didn't watch the doc. Bro, I have got some recommendations for you, okay? If you okay. were going to watch, you and your wife are going to watch any movie this week, please let it okay. be first watch the documentary called The Rescue on Disney+. Plus. And okay. then follow it up with the movie that they made starring Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, by Ron Howard uh, called 13 Lives. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Buddy, watch those movies and we'll do another episode just to debrief that because there's so much that you are going to get from it. 
especially yeah. as a former soccer player as well. Right. Okay, man, that was a, uh, that was a lot, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked to ask you this next question about, okay, we talked about purpose. We talked about mm-hmm. the journey that got you here thus far, but what is animating you now? What's getting you up out of bed every single day? And what is the word? Let me, let me, let me break it down. Let me make this, this question simpler. Cause I tend to stack my questions here. Yeah. <laughs> what does the word passion mean to you, Victor? Yeah, like that's a great one. So like passion to me is something you would do irrespective of time, money and effort. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, it should feel effortless. You shouldn't be doing it for money and you would do it irrespective if you had or did not have time for it. Um, mm. And so like I can say I love working out, but I'm not passionate about it because I don't have a lot of time right now and I haven't worked out in a while. But for me, like the passion of like finance and wealth and, and kind of what led me into this field was at a very early age. I was like six years old. I would attend rich dad, poor dad seminars on real estate <laughs> investing. I was like reading tax lien structures at like eight. My grade wow. 10 accounting teacher like kicked me out of the classroom and told me I was going to be a garbage <laughs> person. Uh, and this comes back to like being in Scarborough and then the environment is like, how it can go the other way is like I was just asking so many questions of asset liabilities, depreciation, like things yeah. like this in grade 10 because of it out of interest. And she was taking it out of like disrupting the class, trying to be like a class clown and like literally like kicked me out of class and told me I was going to be a garbage person. She and basically like, said you're going to be a waste man. No pun intended. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Toronto <laughs> waste. Oh yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Like right no disrespect to, to sanitation workers, man. Like well, I, like, I actually, yeah. Yeah, like I actually told her, I'm like, they make more than you as a teacher <laughs> in the Dang. classroom. I said it. And like, Absolutely, she was just man. like, get out. And then that, that was it. That was, <laughs> that's literally what set me on the journey. I was like, so like, determined to prove her wrong to an extent that like, like, I finished high school in two years. I fast tracked night school, wow. summer school every year to get out. You went Super like, Saiyan, bro. <laughs> yeah, I just like hated school. I actually developed like a hate for like formal education. So, oh, like, man, that's a bummer, I, man. But I, I get didn't, it. Like, I get yeah. it, man. And I look back and I regret it because I wish I kind of went to university and had the experiences of university, but I didn't go mm-hmm. to university and I just self-studied. I did my real estate license, my mortgage license, my insurance license, my like uh, financial planning designations. Like, Got after like, it. 10 years of now it's been 10 years of education because you never stop learning but i none of it has been formally done through a structured environment because like i had this like hate for it because of that but like i also the the gift and the curse per se um is that it lit the fire and that motivation and that drive like is once again like part back to tying it back to passion i was already interested in it and i was already passionate about it and now I had this flaming energy to like execute Ooh. on something. And I was just Love like, that. you know what? I'm just going to, once again, it had nothing to do with money at the time. Cause I was not even old enough to work. It was just right. about, I'm going to have this, like, this is what I'm going to do. It's actually so funny, man. Like my mom, when we moved our house in Scarborough, she found this picture I drew when I was in grade two. So six and a half. And it was like, when I grow up, I want to be a businessman with a briefcase, yeah. a suit and a car. <laughs> and like, I still have that picture. And it's just like, I'm doing it right now. Like I of wear course, every man. day. Yeah, your dreams. I, I'm living like literally what I thought I was going to be doing when I was yeah. six or seven years old. And like, I think that, you know, is passion is like, it's something you don't really know, but you feel. No. And then when you feel you act and then when you act, it just, it is what it is. Like the results wow. are, um, cause like it stems from like this, like burning desire to execute. And, mm. and like I said, because you would do it whether you had time or you didn't or it wasn't about money. You were just doing it. 
So right. eventually that that's what passion is to me is like, you, wow. you, you would just do it no matter what. And, and now that's what I like, why I do what I do is, you know, I get to work with clients that have, you know, really fun situations that involve like that require my skill set to, you know, help. And, you know, I'm also passionate about helping as we talked about. So like, right. kind of, feeds into that um it's like kind of merging the two together so yeah i, I think that's, that's really inspiring man that's crazy to think that you you drew this image of yourself when you were when you were young of, of yourself yeah. with the car with the briefcase just getting after it a businessman and as uh, as, a, as our favorite mentor says jay-z i'm not a businessman i'm a business man, man. <laughs> 100% bro. I actually have a signed picture by a guy who's a hip hop photographer. Um, and he has the picture of like Jay-Z wearing grills with his like diamond, uh, like teeth. Yep, and, I know like, the everything. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like 17 year old. So I have that actually signed <laughs> by the photographer in the office. My wife wow. got it for me because he was speaking at a community event in Jaden Finch and she like bought the picture, got it signed. And like this guy, photographer, Ernie Piccolo, he shot the first, like he shot Biggie's last picture, that picture of him sitting in the SUV before he got shot. Iconic. Um, yeah, like he's like a hip hop historian when it comes to what he's documented. Um, so yeah, I have that Jay-Z picture. Like there's so many lines, like, you know, put me in anywhere in God's green earth, I'll triple my worth. Like, yep. you know, sell ice to, you know, water to a yeah. well, and, and yeah. you know, all of it, right? Like there's so many lyrics, like I literally have them on my playlist in the morning course, every man. day, just like getting me riled up to like crush it. <laughs> Million dollars worth of game for 99 cents. Nine cents. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love this, man. And there's so much here that speaks to my soul. It's hard not to get hypnotized when you speak because your references, your background, the way that you orient yourself and think about getting things done in execution, it almost sounds like, uh, you know, my, my inner monologue, how I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you're, you're really keeping me on my toes here as, as a host. And, and I want to really just ask you more about how you focus this chaos. I want to preface that by saying chaos, because I, I felt it too, when I was in Scarborough and as much as I love Scarborough and as much as I swear by it today, there was a time in my life where I vividly wanted to get out. I just, yeah. I wanted to get out of my circumstance. I don't think I wanted to get away from family and friends necessarily, right. but I wanted to get into a place where I would be able to thrive. And I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I could thrive because I had to, first of all, take three modes of transportation to get downtown where all the marketing <laughs> events were happening. I was losing right. two hours of my day just in the commute, sometimes one way, so a total of four hours. I would come back to a home where I didn't feel seen or nobody understood what I was trying to do. You know, up until university, my dad was not sold on what I was doing. Even throughout university, he was just like, hey, are you sure you want to do this English thing, this, right. this political science thing? And I'm like, pops, man, like, how, how, how does nobody here see the game plan? So right. it's interesting. And I wonder if this resonated with you too, but 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying was actually yep. a very monumental album in my life. It gave the language, first of all, to understand what I was going through, which is mm -hmm. I want to get out of this so badly that I will die trying, number one. Mm -hmm. But sonically, the music and even 50 Cent sounded like what I was feeling on the inside. Like I guess my hormones at that age, 14 right. years of age, they right. felt like uh, or they were, they, were, they were outwardly reflected in, in the music. And what's wild, man, is that I got so good at getting out that I didn't know how to transition. And so I think about when I burned out for the first time 
in front of people in 2014, it's because I was still applying that hustle mentality. And when you think about hustle, right, it's a, a basketball term, which is like aggressively getting after the ball. Right. No matter what, like even if you have to dive and grab it, you know. Right. Um, but then you have Allen Iverson stepping over you right now, which is 100%. the phase that we're in right now, right? Yeah. But like, like, uh, um, like, like Lou diving after the ball, getting after it, uh, applying that level of energy expenditure and aggression in a circumstance that doesn't require it can be very taxing, and that chaos can consume you. Right. So I'm curious to know, man, because I know it's deep down inside of you, Victor. Like you have it still. I don't think you ever lose it. That no. desire to just roll up your sleeves, bite down, and just fucking get it done for lack yeah. of a better phrase. And I apologize. Yeah. I try not to swear on this podcast, but I just had to let that F word out. Yeah. How do you manage that chaos? Like, how do you manage your time, your energy, your attention? Break, like, walk us through your process for focusing this fire, that flame that was lit all these years ago. Yeah, so I'll actually start with a little story because I think Please. it provides a lot of color and like, once again, like literally will resonate exactly to your feeling. Let's go. But when I was 19, I started my first company, which was VTech Financial Group. It was like my own kind of um, attempt at starting a business at 19 in the in the financial industry. And I didn't want to be like those like out of your car insurance salesmen or investment people. So mm -hmm. I lit and once again, being in Scarborough and all of the money is in the city. I was like, what am I doing out here? Kind of thing. I literally rented an office in Liberty Village that was 700 square feet that had two separate rooms, no washroom. No light, no windows. It only had a sun, a skylight. You rented a and jail cell, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> I worked. I, so I, I made one of the rooms my bedroom and one of the rooms the office and the open room, the waiting area. Wow. I showered at Good Life Gym for nine months and wow. used Good Life Gym as the washroom. And I lived in the office. I had a toaster oven and a meal plan. And they would God deliver damn. food. And because you can't live in your commercial office, I would leave, wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym before people came to the office. I would work my day and come back to the office in a suit with a duffel bag to make it look like I'm like work like wow. coming from a gym. And then I would leave around 7 p.m., which was before the cleaners came. But then I would come back at 10.30 p.m. after the cleaners left and then That's go nuts. work some more and then go to sleep. Uh, and I would have to go to Shoppers Drug Mart to buy like those gallon waters because I didn't have like, There's no actual water. water in the office. So, and if you have to go to the washroom in the middle of the night, like I'm walking down the hallway of like this commercial building to like the shared washrooms in the hall. Um, and my wife, my, my wife now, who was my fiance, or girlfriend at the time, was like, you're, you know, lack of better words, like fucking crazy, right? <laughs> um, and I was like, it, it's not like I'm just passionate. So back to like passions, like you would, you do, like you don't think of it. You just do it. You just do um, it. You just execute. Yeah. And like by any means necessary, like you just do mm. it, you get it done, period, full stop. There's no, there's no alternative. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what that forced me was it forced me to learn how to control the chaos. Cause like I was living in flux. I lived out of a duffel bag, right? Like I, you don't have structure. So it forced me to like build some type of a structure. And I pulled yep. back to like my sports days because there was a lot of structure in that. It was just like, you need a schedule. You need to like really nail this down because otherwise you could run amok on time and time is yeah. your most valuable asset. Um, it, and, and if you don't prioritize things, you're not like, it doesn't matter how much passion you have, you're not getting things done. So right. 
I, I literally like, yeah, like time, like ha- I, I was forced into specific things to do like the gym and stuff based on like living situation, but you know, organizing the chaos was time blocking. I, wow. I was like huge with, um, kind of calendar, my calendar of like 17 different colors. I have like right, all right. these different things and, and just time blocking was, was crucial. Um, so crucial because it allowed me to like focus on things that I need to get done. Like personal time which like you mentioned with burnout like people don't really think about but you need it um you know just not to thinking about what you're either working on or personal like issues or life thing that's going on like just like being happy almost you need to like yep. force yourself every day to find time to just be happy um so you know really throwing that into the calendar and like trying to live by that calendar as closely as possible was was a huge skill set for me with respect developing that was was hugely important at that time because like sole entrepreneur no staff no employees no real guidance because i was 19 so i didn't work in like a formal structured bank or anything that teaches you like systems and processes and sops all that stuff was just and like once again no university just a kid out of high school and then from scarborough who comes from a family where no one had like an executive style job, right? Right. So right. in theory, like the framework, the blueprint, as my buddy Hope would say, <laughs> it wasn't there. It wasn't yeah. there. It was just like, yo, we're throwing shit at the wall and hoping things stick. And that's what he, it started like. And then as things started working, you're like, okay, like back to the ladder, I'm building that blueprint now. So like yep. Veda will be able to say, Okay, if I want to do anything like agnostic of industry, this is the work ethic, this is the strategies, this is the framework that needs to be done. And then I just slap on top of it the like industry skill set or like the the vertical that I want to be in. But the right. the framework, that blueprint is there. And um like that's so important to me because like without it like i said any passion any like ability or want to execute it means nothing really like you won't get things done dude first of all what a wild story please tell me this is in your book (laughs) i know so it's actually ironic this book is not a personal it's not an autobiography that's book number two Um, okay this this book is like primarily around the philosophy of our wealth management practice and like how we work with clients versus this is more like an industry book versus um, a book about me kind of thing. It actually has, okay. it even doesn't talk about kismet in the book. It's right. literally, it's a philosophy. So like it has, it, it's not, you know, one of those things where it's like, Hey, come work with us because we do this. Sure. It's just like, these are my views on how people should manage their wealth. And it's, gotcha. you know, 10 years of me accumulating this skill set. I just Love it. dropped it in, you know, a literally eight step guide. That's what the book is. Yeah. It's like steps one through eight of how to do the structure um and you know you know it's books called enterprise your wealth managing your wealth like a business so essentially it's like that structure how do you implement that and you know trying to find a way to implement it at different levels and And, stuff like that and and i want to ask you more about the book in in a a couple of minutes but but i ask because I know a good uh, keynote worthy story or a book worthy story when I hear one. <laughs> holy smokes, man, that please, you got to weave that into something that right yeah. there has all of the beats necessary to really develop true resonance with an audience. So uh, what a powerful story, man. And I, I get it. I get it because it's yeah. what I'm doing right now. Having just relocated to New York, right. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm just Correct. executing. And I'm very much inspired by what my mother and father did when they immigrated from India to yeah. 
Canada, or they actually came to Queens, New York for the first time, which is where I was born. And I feel like I'm completing a story that they started. That's they awesome. climbed up the ladder so that mm -hmm. I could start on a higher rung and I'm over here applying that same kind of work ethic, just getting it done, doing what I have to do. Mm -hmm. This apartment that I'm in is smaller than the one I had in Toronto, but you know mm -hmm. what? It doesn't matter. Because in my mind, I'm thinking about the struggle that you went through being in Liberty Village in that small um, you know, office that doubled as your living quarters and right. going to Good Life to shower and getting the gallon water from shoppers, doing what you had to do right. to just execute. And it's interesting that you talked about using your calendar and time blocking and color coding. I swear by my calendar because I know that without my calendar, I'm prone to depression. Mm -hmm. I'm prone to thinking about the past, events that happened in the past and staying there. And I'm also prone to anxiety, which is obsessing about the future, things that haven't happened yet. So what my calendar allows me to do, and it sounds like it's similar to you, is it allows me to design where I want my life to go. And then I synchronize my now with my mm -hmm. calendar invites. Like for example, we logged on today at 10 a.m. Eastern time or 11 a.m. I can't remember when. It feels like we've been talking for a yeah. long time. <laughs> Even though it shows that we've only been recording for 30 minutes. Take that yeah, in. This is fantastic. Let's, let's keep going in. Yeah. But the calendar is so important because without it, I feel like I'm just floating. I feel like I don't right. know what I'm doing. I, like I said, it's so easy for me to toggle between two extremes. The calendar keeps me oriented towards the here and now. So that's time over there. Now let's talk about energy, Victor. So mm -hmm. you've got a lot going on. You've got a beautiful yeah. young daughter right now. Yeah. You're managing this business. You just wrote a book. You're, you're promoting the book. You've got a beautiful wife as well. You're spending time with your partner. Uh, you've got a family. You've got friends. How do you manage the energy? You start your day with 100% energy filled to the brim. Mm -hmm. How do you structure your day so that by the end of the day, you still have enough to be present with your daughter, with your partner, and get a good night's sleep. Yeah, good night's sleep, few and far between now. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think like energy-wise, it's 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 really important because it starts from intention. It's it's a mm -hmm. weird place to start, but I feel like when I'm, I try to do as much things as I can with intention. Um, and when I'm trying, when I'm in that zone of doing things with intention, the energy comes. Um, but if I'm doing things just to do it and like I'm in the motions, or it's like half-assed, it's like I'm lazy, I'm tired, it's like it's not working out. But I think it's also picking and choosing your battles as part of it. So like I mentioned earlier, it's like I, I, I literally have a full-out gym in my garage that I bought and set up, squat bar, everything, and then was working out, then had the baby and all this stuff, like winter, I'll have the baby, all these things kind of change. And I, while I know I need to work out and I should work out and it's like, I, I love fitness being in that, like an athlete for so long, but like, I know if I do it now, the intention is not there because, and I'll be forced to myself that mm. for me, it's just like the energy is not going to be there. So not only am I going to be wasting my time, I'm also not even going to get a good workout because I don't have the intention or the drive to do it. So I try mm -hmm. to like assess my actions and my daily like schedule along with intention. So like my schedule right now is like I'm waking up at five and I like I actually take right now because my baby's like sleep schedule is really messed up. I'm sleeping in the living room and my wife's sleeping in the bedroom because she like does the night wake ups because I'm going to work. And, yep. You know, luckily she's still on mat leave. Um, nice. So when she wakes up at five, I wake up and then I spend from five to seven like with her, with my baby just playing around so my wife could get Quality like a good time. nap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I get that day because I'm out for the whole day. So five to seven, literally, and it's in my calendar, spend time with Veda. So like, I'm like in the calendar doing that 
we go for walks. The weather's been good, so we do stuff like that. And then I have a husky, as I mentioned, so that needs oh, yeah. a lot of attention. So I take her every morning without fail to high park for an hour. So nice. eight o'clock in the morning, my wife is up and out of her routine. So I give her back the baby and, and she goes for like a morning nap with the baby. And then I'm at high park with our dog for an hour. And that's my like solace. Like it's fresh air, it's nature. I'm in the city, but I don't know I'm in the city. I feel like I'm in like cottage country. I'm yeah. just like, don't check my phone. No, none of that stuff has even started yet. Um, I'm just like, and once again, like I enjoy, I love, I love my dog. So like the, that, that energy, that intention that like, I, I don't see it rain, snow. I'm in Hyde Park for an hour, no matter what. Um, and, and I love it. So, and then, you know, the day starts, come home, shower, change at the office and like get it done. But I think like, it's really important that like that morning is that way because like it gives me the, the, the it gives me energy doing those things. And then that actually pairing with like obviously you have your days at work where you don't like what you have to do and you, you like you know but that morning routine kind of gives me the energy i need to make it to like 5 6 p.m and then i kind of go back and then once again like that routine starts again nighttime with beta you know the dog yep. walks and then you know after they go down my wife and i get to like enjoy some quiet time literally texting each other because we don't want to talk to wake up the baby right <laughs> so it's like a different world but i mean like in enjoying it as I go and like my, like just like not having an expectation is the other thing like I don't have an expectation of I'm gonna have this life I realize now like expectations lead you to like disappointment mm. um you should have goals and you should have standards don't get me wrong love but that. like like expectations are really really risky um yeah. and that and but like having goals having standards mean you'll never settle but at the same time, your emotions and your like personality will not swing based on the results or the situation that you're in to like peaks and valleys. You kind of stay within that band of like makes sense, peace, calm, and happiness, right? So I'm a big believer in that. Because expectations come with a sense of entitlement, whereas goals and standards, they're future focused and they allow for flexibility. So even if you Correct. don't reach the goal, you can still try to innovate and figure out how to get to that goal. I, I'm looking forward to when I have kids, I don't have kids, I don't have any pets right now, but I'm excited because I think it'll activate for me Parkinson's law, this productivity mm -hmm. principle, which states that work expands so as to fill the time allocated for its completion. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm sloppy with my work, but I definitely take a lot longer than I would if I had mm -hmm. other demands on my time. So right. I have nice leisurely mornings, I can indulge and read and go on walks and you know, just really immerse myself in the creative process. Right. But I also know from past experience that I can just switch right into it. I don't need to do this whole elaborate dance. I can yeah. just activate it right away. And right. I think that'll happen for me when I have a baby to look after. If yeah. you know, in the future I do get any pets, that might be the thing. And it sounds like yeah. that's already happened for you. Like Parkinson's law has been activated. Yeah. So I want to focus on the last now, uh, now I want to focus on the last element of the, my, my conception of productivity as a pyramid. Mm -hmm. So you have this base of 168 hours of time, raw mm -hmm. time allocated to you each week. Then you use that base of time to generate energy. And then with your energy, it gets more focused at the top. You have attention mm -hmm. and attention is interesting because if the wrong thing gets your attention or if your intention is disrupted, it can actually affect the entire productivity stack, if you will, all the way yeah. back down to your time. 
How do you decide what gets your attention these days? And let's use this podcast as an example, Victor. So, you know, we were chatting on IG and I'm like, hey, Victor, like, I'd love to do this podcast episode with you because, you know, I'm fascinated by everything that you're doing right now. And even more so now that we're deep into this convo, like I can't wait until we're doing episode, you know, two, three, four, five, 200 into the future. But of course, you had to allocate time to do this. You had Mm -hmm. to generate the amount of energy required. And more importantly, you had to give this podcast your undivided attention. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to make this a priority? And, you know, in general, how do you decide what gets your attention? Yeah, so great, like phenomenal. It's like, especially now, like with the baby in life, it's just like, it's it's a real thing (laughs) before you have a lot of time. So like, you can really do a lot of stuff. Um, but I think it's like, you know, I respect, I, I look at the person. So, you know, I respect you a lot. Um, and I respect what you're doing and Much I respect love, the man. value you're putting out. And yeah, for sure, man. I respect like, Likewise, we've known yeah. each other for a couple of years and like from a distance, but like I've obviously watched and paid attention and same follow. And, and I, I, I really appreciate what you do for the, like the world and humanity in general, just given like oh, the wow. book you read, it helped me cause I was facing burnout. And you shared Thank it you, with man. me, like, just as a PDF to like, hey, like, Vic, like, if you need it, here it is. Um, and that really helped me at the time. I didn't even know what burnout was until we, I went mm. to your your talk. And then after that, mm. then the reading the book. So it was just like, you know, those little things. And then, so like, I respect you. So if I respect the person, then that person gets my time. Um, and I think that's, and, or like, once again, I respect the person or respect the mm. situation. So okay. given those two things, like, if they they really hit me that you know this is something that's important something that's valuable to to myself or to others then i i will figure it out to make that time um and you know it it's not the same we're hanging out with friends for four hours of the thing or doing certain like you know i used to like to golf or cycle and like those are like three four hour events and now like just get i've put a temporary hold on those things because like time is needed with you know veda versus before i could be up at 4 35 a.m and go for a ride and then be back home in time for like the dog park right but like sure. now that's not a thing because there's something i respect more and i like value more so i'm going to reallocate the time um mm. and i think like that's how i kind of make that d- filtration decision in my head is like respect the respecting the situation respecting the time and then the outcome of it so whatever i'm doing what is that going to what's the ripple effects of value being created in in the world and i feel like so regarding this podcast i think there's an immense amount of value so i would i love the fact that you asked me to be on and i'm so happy that Mm -hmm. i was able to you know you were able to make this happen you're very generous man and i I appreciate everything you've said and and the love and the respect is, is mutual here that's fascinating, man, because uh, I believe that how you do one thing is how you do all things. And so I think I've kind of understood now the process of writing your book, but I'd love to hear from you. What was the process like for writing your first book? And in the words of Jay-Z, who's come up multiple times in this podcast, it takes your entire life to put out your first album. Yeah. What was it like to put your heart and soul, all of your life to produce book number one of many? Yeah. Well, before I start this question, I'll kind of like actually like left out one of the things and it has to do with Jay again. <laughs> it's like, I was watching this, yeah, I was watching this interview and they were like, um, like, do, did you hear about this thing? And like, it's like 
paparazzi stuff, right? And he's like, that shit don't even get to me at this level. Like, yeah. like <laughs> back to being time, right? Like, there's he's like, there's too many filters. Like, that if yeah. if a person if I if I'm answering the phone, once again, it came down to that. Like, I respect the person, I respect the situation, but like, Bro, it doesn't this even was the, get uh, to me. Sorry, this was the breakfast, the second Breakfast Club interview, yes. right? Yes, I know. He's like a. It's just layers. There's layers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, I know exactly. I've I've studied every Jay Z interview to a T, man. I sit down yeah. and I like. The, I'm sure you watched the Kevin Hart one, right? Yep. yep. Bro, I filled an entire notebook. Yep. With, with I just, just posted about it back. recently. Like information out without understanding <laughs> is nothing. Like that in itself was just mind blowing to me. It's yeah. Like, it's crazy, yeah. He's I'll a, make you a deal, man. Let's let's make make a pact here because you have a podcast yeah. coming out. Whichever yeah. one of us gets Jay Z on the podcast first, oh. we're gonna we're gonna invite one another. Yeah, to just be in the audience. I'm so <laughs> adamant that at one point I I was like gonna camp out in New York, like which now you have the better chance of doing in hey. front of the Rock Nation <laughs> building. Like when he walks out to be like, "Yo, ho, one question, oh. like just <laughs> yeah, one yeah. question, like." And, and I, I don't even know what the question is. I'm trying to formulate yeah. it because like two minute podcast. Mauve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that I, purple? It's mauve. <laughs> it's mauve. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, honestly, and yeah, huge. That's huge. Like, and I think you ought to be that little girl who interviewed him. You know, like mm. that little girl on oh, TikTok yeah. who interviewed him. Yep. It's so funny. She's so cute. So funny. It's awesome. Yeah. But sorry, I, but, I, I distracted yeah, you over here. Let's get back totally to the book. So, so first of all, what yeah. what is the name of the book again? Yeah, the book is Enterprise Your Wealth, Managing mm-hmm. Your Wealth Like a Business. Like a business, uh, or right? Or How to Manage a... Your Wealth Like a Business, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is available on Amazon worldwide? Yeah, Amazon. You can go on Amazon, order it, um, get it within two days. Um, gotcha. Short book, it's like 85 pages, quick read. And what was the Just... inspiration for the book? Um, it's pretty much like, it was kind of interesting. This is my 10 years doing what I'm doing. Um, so it's been a pretty fun, like, journey to hit that milestone of a decade so i wanted to like stamp it with something special so mm-hmm. um I, I accumulated all this information through um studying courses studying how people manage wealth and essentially put together uh, a step-by-step framework and a, like once again information without understanding is nothing so a lot of the information but deconstructing it so you can understand it um of how to structure your wealth and personal wealth, I mean, in that, in that nature. And it's, it's comes from the philosophy of how like ultra high net worth and high net worth people manage their wealth. It's not really far from how businesses manages, manages their operations. Interesting. So like in personal wealth, you have net worth statements and cash flows, right? But in right. a business, you have an income statement and a balance sheet. Exactly. And what happens in a personal wealth situation People don't really use those documents, but in a business, your CFO uses those documents religiously to help you make decisions on how to grow that company's profitability, income, revenue, reduce your risk, all of these different things. So our model is outside of establishing a team. So we call the wealth creator, the CEO or co-CEOs, if it's a, a couple, we've played the role of a CFO slash COO, which is the financial advisory, but operational execution of things that need to get done. And the goal would be retaining like a legal person that would be like a chief legal officer. So really like establishing this board of directors and then outside of just establishing that, cause that's a very normal 
thing people talk about is like establish your board, but they don't really talk about what happens next, which is establishing a formal meeting schedule, a formal review process, mm. a formal decision process, a formal mm. strategy, vision, um, succession plan. So our process is when you have a business and especially a growing business, you establish these things. So why do we not do that for our personal wealth? It just like baffled me. So hmm. essentially the, the book and the, the inspiration is like, you've worked so hard to earn this income and build this nest egg of whatever size it is. The difference between a million and 5 million, 5 million, 10 million, 10 million, and a hundred million is the management of that nest egg. And right. when people think about wealth management, they think about investing, but that's not what wealth management is. Like that's investment yeah. management. Wealth management is literally managing wealth. And managing right. wealth means developing a strategy, understanding um, you know, how your decisions impact your wealth, like doing an actual formal assessment of your processes and systems, which most people, once again, personally don't have. Um, no. But once again, like I'm sure in your business, you have SOPs, sure. right? Why do you not have that for managing your wealth? For managing your wealth, yeah. So that's the concept around the book. This is a very timely and relevant book. And uh, you know, I'm embarrassed that I haven't read it in advance of this just because I was so busy with the move, but I'm going to order it today itself. Appreciate and uh, the next time we do our podcast, you're going to see it in my bookshelf right behind me over here. You know, we often talk about, and this is usually a criticism hurled at businesses that have the same status as individuals, but we never ask the question of what can we learn from businesses that act as individuals and bring those best practices into our lives. And I've never really thought about managing wealth uh, like a business. Mm -hmm. I always thought those were two distinct disciplines and I'm really excited to go through this book and uh, start to apply some of these principles because I think I'm the first person in my immediate family to accrue this level of financial success. I'm building mm -hmm. wealth in a way that uh, you know my parents and, and extended family has not been able to do so. And it's a really exciting time for me, but I'm, I would say I'm financially illiterate. Um, I think that the extent of my financial literacy is relegated to one period in civics in grade 10. Yeah. I had somebody from TD drop in and be like, hey, this is how a credit card works. Right. And uh, that was it. I'm not even kidding. Like that was the extent of my financial literacy education growing up in Scarborough. And I think, yeah. you know, I'm sure we could do a whole conspiracy theory podcast on just why that was the case. Right. But uh, I don't even think that's a conspiracy theory. I think that's a very planned, out in the open, a right? Very planned strategic way that society is set up. You know, yeah, man. So. And and it's just so fucking amazing, man. And like, I'm just letting the F words fly because yeah. I'm, I'm speaking from my chest here, man. Like, you're a beautiful brother and, and you're doing something so important, man, because through this book, you don't have like, it's just been so crazy for me to get messages from complete strangers about the burnout right. gamble and leadership reinvented people that I'm never going to meet in my life or right. I hope I get to meet. But there's somebody out there who's going to pick up your book and you are going to dramatically change the course of their life. And that person right. might very well be me. I'm prepared to receive your message right now right. and what you have done over the course of your 10 year career, which truly I believe started well before the 10 years that you were formally in this profession. I think that your right. career is like, it's, it's intertwined with your life, but right. you've, you've distilled all that wisdom down into 80 or so pages. So it's going to be a really easy read. I mean, you could even mm -hmm. read it while the plane is, is yeah. boarding. <laughs> yeah. It's like a quick, like, Hey, like literally flying somewhere. I'm done the That's book it. by the time I'm, I'm landed. 
You know what? I'm actually going to test this because I got to go to Ottawa next week and I'm going to buy the book and I'm going to read it on the flight from here to Ottawa, which is about an hour and a half, two hours. And so I should be able to bang it out. But you are, you are helping through the, this building of the ladder for people to start at a higher rung. Mm -hmm. And I think that what's naturally going to flow from what you're doing, I, I have a vision here. I can see you eventually getting into the product space and building out mm -hmm. some sort of distinct Kismet branded products. Uh, you know, wealth planning tools, that will be when the ladder turns into an escalator, when you start right. doing coaching programs, when you start doing seminars. And you know what? Somebody is going to do a podcast 30 years from now where they'll be like, I attended the Victor Godino, yeah. you know, how to uh, manage your wealth like a business, enterprise your wealth seminar, the same way that you name dropped Robert Kiyosaki earlier. Right. Like right. we see this and we know it's going to happen and we're just going to buckle down and get it done, man. Like yeah. I, I look forward to when you and I are in our sixties and our eighties mm -hmm. reflecting on this conversation that we had in August of 2022. Right. Uh, wow, man, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so glad we had this conversation. I can't wait to read this book. Let the listeners know and let myself know what's next for you. What are the next stops on your career adventure? What are the next rungs on your ladder? Yeah, so as a firm, you know, we're looking to just like continue our growth. Um, uh, Philosophy-wise of our firm, it's, it's to stay boutique. So the goal is to like get into, you know, our sweet spot, which is about 80 to 100 clients um, and just keep kind of pushing that. But, you know, that's obviously, I guess, surface value <laughs> response in theory. But I think I, I actually don't know um in theory like i know mm -hmm. i know where i want to go and i know what my mission is to what i want to do but how um, you're gonna get how there. is it gonna get there i don't really try to focus on that a lot of the times yep. because i just believe like the how will show itself yep. and or manifest itself in the actions that i'm currently taking so yeah i just like choosing like i'm choosing to i'm actually choosing to actually slow down a bit um to spend more time with my daughter um and my family uh so yeah, I would say I, I, I don't know the answer of what's next other than I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, keep keeping on, like Matthew McConaughey yeah. says. Do you, do you have a, like a vision for the what that you're um, chasing? Like I, I think I get that from you based on this conversation, but also seeing how you speak about Kismet on the website too. But like, what is the, the what that you're trying to get to regardless of the how? I guess it would be to like, so one of our core kind of principles at our firm is like, it, we do work with an affluent demographic and a, and a, in, in a market segment, the usual clients are around three to 10 million in net worth. Mm -hmm. um, so the, and they're usually business owners. And that's because they understand and adopt our philosophy really quickly personally, because they do it in their businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but a very, very big part of our firm is the reason why we don't grow as fast, let's say is like, we, we value align all of our clients to our values. And so a lot of our clients are first generation wealth creators. So a lot of our clients are first generation Canadians. A lot of our clients are grinders and hustlers, just like me and you. Mm -hmm. um, so our, our concept is like, I really, the what is like really helping those people, which are our clients build their ladders, gotcha. um, essentially. So, you know, I, I, I have a, I have like a, a vision in my mind of like every client that I kind of get at a certain point, I kind of always put like a, what do a level set, like what's their network when they start with us and 
obviously that's our kind of metric of mm-hmm. growing. Um, but I want to create like a centimillionaire. I want to help create, mm-hmm. you know, a billionaire. And uh, I think like, those are like the what's, but once again, the how's, I don't know, but I want to be, I want to play the role in that happening. And I want to, you know, pretty much, and not just like a side role. I want to be really active in that. So, right. um, and I, and I want to do it for someone that has a really good heart. Right. So like a lot of our clients, I really like appreciate what their vision and missions are. So it's like, it really helps me give them that energy. So back to energy is like, you know, I respect what they want to do. It's not just to make more money. A lot yep. of them like really care about developing a community and building people up and helping people. So like, it really speaks to that. So and yeah, it's going to happen, I, man. Yeah. Like I believe, I believe it's, it's absolutely going to happen for you because you've put other people first and um, you know, you, you, you seem to embody the mantra that I, I believe in that was imparted to me by, by Zig Ziglar, not, not, not directly, but through his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this quote that you can have everything in life that you want if you help everybody else get what they want. Huge. Um, and Huge. it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. So you have this goal of helping people to increase their wealth, to manage their uh, wealth uh, like a business, uh, no, no pun intended, to, to really just add some structure um, and guide them towards reaching their version of success and their version of happiness. And in mm-hmm. doing so with the constraints, and I don't like using that word constraints because they're actually... They're simulated in, in, in your world. Like you've got all of this, all of these 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 elements in your life that are forcing you to be more intentional with right. the time that you do have. And I think that when you do sit down, when you do open up your laptop, when you do check your phone and do work, it's with a focus, a tenacity, you know, a flame that you're very comfortable with. You've understood this your entire life and you have the systems in place right now to actually get things done and i can't wait to see what you do not just this year but throughout the rest of your career and i hope that i can be invited to your lifetime achievement award ceremony and maybe who knows i might be the one doing the introduction and i'll remember this podcast episode that we did together (laughs) here we go dave Chappelle. (laughs) that's it that's it my man uh in closing over here i usually like to ask guests about the best piece of advice that they've ever received. But I realized that I didn't close one loop. So let me see if I can feed two birds with one scone over here. Sure. We're both fans of The Godfather. Yes. Like we've learned a lot of life lessons the same way that our hip hop heroes have. Yes. So what is a piece of advice that you have extracted or a, a, a piece of wisdom that you've extracted from The Godfather? And it doesn't have to be from Tom Hagen who <laughs> seems to be a big influence on the work that you do. So yeah, let's break it down. I think when it comes to the Godfather, like it, the, the level of care that they take for you know, obviously the, what they do uh, on a moral standpoint, an ethical standpoint, put that, I guess, put that aside. But <laughs> I think like the, the sheer passion and the sheer intensity for how much they care of their lineage to continue to grow Mm. and their lineage to continue to succeed and how you have to sometimes make tough decisions by pointing one son the godfather over your oldest son or a different son you have Mm. to make a decision for your family for what's right for your family's growth i think has been the biggest thing i've learned from the series Mm -hmm. is 
the way that, and that's with all like wealthy families, if you look at it, like there are siblings, but someone has to take the reins as the leader of that family. And it sometimes mm-hmm. is not the oldest. It sometimes is not even the most formally educated. It's whoever's best suited to execute the vision of that family's growth and that family's development. And in what we do as family wealth managers, this is a huge part of how we implement in our practices helping our clients decide and educate themselves on how do they pick the succession plan for their business, their, their family, who runs the show after they go is, is a really important part and wisdom that I've learned. Perfect, man. I, uh, I swear by this idea that you can't always make the right decision, but you can make a decision and then make it right. So it's really important to be decisive, but there's levels to this game and you will get to a point like us, Victor, where it is very important to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And by working with someone like you, Victor, by working with Kismuth, you can increase the likelihood that you will make the right decision. Victor G, this has been an absolute, absolute pleasure, man. I have learned so much from you and I know that our audience will have also learned from this conversation from you as well. Where can people keep up with your adventures online? Yeah. So, uh, our firm is, kismetgroup.ca so k-i-s-m-e-t group.ca um, and we're kismet grp on all social media um, and then my personal page is official vtag so official v-t-a-g um, which is my initials and uh, um, essentially you know follow me on instagram primarily um, and yeah mostly posting pictures of my child and dog but before we before we wrap up one of the quotes that i love um in, in a philosophy of execution is shoot first, aim second. Ooh. So opportunity comes, fly. shoot. If you miss, you still have enough time to aim. But if you hit on the first time, you didn't let time go. So wow. it was like, it, it, it's a crazy, I think, I, I think it was Kevin Hart. I have to like go back to where I heard it in an interview, but it was shoot first, aim second. Do not right. spend so much time aiming because you will then never shoot. Wow. Victor G, on that note, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being on the Ideas Into Action podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, really, really appreciate your time, your energy, your attention. You can head over to iiapodcast.com to read the show notes and get updates on when future episodes drop. I'd also really appreciate it if you could go on Spotify, on Apple, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast, and leave a review. Hook us up with all the stars. It would go a long way towards helping this podcast continue to gain traction and of course reach out to me if you have any suggestions for guests any suggestions on how i can improve as a host and what we can do to continue this adventure of discovering purpose productivity passion and play from some of the highest performers like victor in the world thank you so much for tuning in i will see you when we drop our next episode we're out